Yo, what's up? JB here. Today is Saturday, and for tonight's Saturday Night Contest, we're doing a roundtable discussion with a guy by the name of Eric Ross. Eric is the creator of Crush, which is the latest release from Theory 11, and tonight he's on the line with us right now to answer a few questions on it. Eric, can you hear me? Yes, I'm here. Bingo. Eric is very sick right now, to be honest with you. We almost had to cancel this thing tonight, this podcast, uh, but like a soldier... Eric is braving through the storm and I think just did like a shot of lemon juice a few minutes ago so that his voice will hopefully make it through the rest of this podcast. But this was important. We've got this uh, crush release coming up this coming Wednesday. We're posting the preview video in about 48 hours from right now on Monday night, this Monday night. Uh, So we wanted to answer a lot of questions you guys have uh, reasonably about uh, Crush, and we're going to get to as many as we possibly can over the course of this podcast. You guys have posted over 150 questions so far in the past two and a half hours, and we're going to try to get to as many of the good questions as we can. Um, So just start things off. We'll get straight into this, if that's cool with you. Uh, The first question I'd like to ask is the first question someone posted. Uh, The guy's name's Public Enemy, Um, so apparently he's a very nice guy. And uh, the question is, how did Crush come about? Uh, how did this idea manifest in your mind? Uh, it's a funny, long story, actually. I, um, it was actually the first thing that I uh, tried creating and wanted to create. It was an imploding bottle can effect. And I was working at a magic shop about three years ago, a magic shop in Grand Rapids, Michigan. And there was a prop in there. Uh, it was like a spring with a cloth that looked like a can over it and it would crumble and expand and I was playing with it one day and just thought it'd be really cool to to work something out with a real can that could do that and I've spent the last three years perfecting and coming up with all kinds of crazy stuff um, using a can and bottle in real life situations and come up with dozens of methods and just stuck with the two that I uh that work the best and that were actually workable. Yeah, I think that that's a that's a really interesting point that we're going to talk about again. I'm sure there'll be questions about that later in the podcast. Uh, but this is actually two methods that people are going to be receiving with Crush. So uh, one of them is gimmicked, and one of them uses absolutely no gimmicks. And both of them, to the spectator, look pretty much the same. They're just uh, suited for different performance environments. So we'll we'll answer some of those questions uh, about Crush specifically a little later on. There's a question here by Magic Man One Two Three Two. And his question is, what got you started in magic? So let's backtrack a little bit before Crush. Uh, what are the roots of your uh, creative process in magic? When did you start creating and when did you start performing? Um, I was about 15, 15 or 16. We're talking five years ago, six years ago. And I, um, my father and I went to a blockbuster, actually. And uh, David Blaine had released a DVD called Fearless. And we rented it, brought it home, put it in. And uh, I've been doing magic ever since. Ever since I saw David Blaine's Fearless, it was really, uh, really great at that age to watch that and to be intrigued. Did you and um, I just picked up a deck of cards and put them down? Did you start creating immediately at that time, or did you like you know we're not really aware about uh, things that have been published in Magic already? So you were just playing with objects around you. Was that the process, or did you uh, kind of go through the whole? Uh, the ordinary thing that I guess the majority of people do, which is they do a lot of other magicians' tricks first, and then they slowly venture into creating their own stuff. Or what was that process like for you? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I would uh, 
I started learning stuff on the internet and the magic shop and books and just stuff from all these other creators and uh, professional performers that were doing it for years. I would just learn um, all the stuff I was seeing them doing the videos and you know, I started going to these conventions is what it was. I'd go to these conventions and actually meet these people and just we'd jam and they'd bring me along with the jamming process and the creating process and I got home after a convention one night and was like, Oh, let's uh let's try this creating stuff. I'd like to I'd like to see some stuff in magic that's not out there. I wonder if I'd be good at this and wanted to start creating my own effects and performing my own magic and then I would take that to the conventions with me and uh, I'd I'd totally fry all these people I was learning from years earlier with some stuff I was creating and it was just a great experience and then one thing led to another and then I had companies calling me to release my ideas and it's just a crazy little industry here Um. Talk about, uh, there's a question here by Corbin B. His post number is 11, and he's talking about uh, what your favorite audience is. So what have you, who do you typically perform for? Do you, do you perform or have you ever performed kind of like walk-around gigs or private events, or do you mostly perform and have performed as like you know, for your friends and family or people on the street? What has been your normal, uh, what's, a, what's a normal performance like for you? Uh, performance was, um, I haven't had a lot of gigs lately. I've spent a lot of time traveling and creating and filming and a lot of conventions lately, but uh, I used to perform a lot and that was mostly clubs and bars and I did a campaign with Camel Crush Cigarettes. Uh, I toured with them for a while around Michigan doing shows and, um, it was a lot of fun. My favorite genre of people is, uh, you know, the younger crowd, um, I work best uh, after studying a lot of back east and stuff, actually. I like uh, the bar scene and the club scene, and those tend to be the wildest audiences, and you tend to uh, get better with your skill, actually, working with the... They tend to be a more difficult crowd, uh, depending on how much they've had to drink. And, exactly, or they... There's a, I guess there's like a certain point where they become much easier to perform for after and do anything else with after, after a certain amount of drinks. Uh, but up and there's also a fine line where they become more difficult because uh, any inhibitions about what they would normally not say or it, it, I guess it's a it's a uh, blunt crowd. If they catch you doing something, they'll tell you, whereas a normal person might just overlook something or not say that they saw that obvious double lift or they saw you do that supposedly hidden move. Uh, if you're performing in a club or a bar and the people are, you know, very are, are conversational with you, they're going to point that out. Exactly. Exactly. It's a great learning and uh, practicing experience. I always uh, recommend to people if they're asking, uh, like, how should they get started performing in magic? I, like, that's how I started. I was at, I did restaurant gigs when I was really young, and I was doing it for next to no money. But I was performing a lot for young people, old people, uh, all types of people. So you get experience performing for everyone. Uh, drunk people, sober people, young people, old people, uh, people that speak English, people that don't speak English. And with that experience, you kind of get a feel for how to perform for different types of people. And that's worth more than anything that I could have been paid when I was you know, starting and performing when I was 12 or 13. Um, okay, exactly. There's a great question here by Varezo, V-O-R-E-Z-O. His post number is 12. 
Where do you get ideas to spark your creativity? Do they come to you or do you look at an object and say, how can I use this to make a miracle? Does, what is that process like? Uh, it's funny, actually. Um, sometimes I'll sit there and try settling with something. Um, I'll see a set of keys or something. And, okay, what can I do with a set of keys? Or, you know, I try working stuff in, but I find my best magic actually just comes to me out of nowhere, either be in a dream or just a random idea. I could be in the middle of mowing the grass and I'll just get this crazy idea in my head and the method just comes with it and I'll roll with it and I just, I don't know where they come from, honestly. I, I don't know. I, I don't know. They're just there. Um, like I said, my best ideas just come from nowhere. But I tend to... Uh, try keeping stuff simple and um what do people always have on them uh you got keys they got uh you have cards on you they got coins we got money like just stuff like that and i think that's going to be the most bottles <laughs> bottles exactly <laughs> bottles are everywhere um i like <laughs> i like fine. i like this question by will draven uh who's one of our more active members he posts some great stuff uh, his post number is fifteen, and this is this is this is kind of a question that you'll have to be a hundred percent honest about. This question is: What is the ratio of bad, good, and so-so ideas you have? So, like, I know anyone that creates stuff probably creates. You know, there's there's a million quotes about this by by authors and whatnot. Of like, you have to fail this many times before you succeed, etc. Uh, but do you find yourself uh, being more than willing? to create sucky ideas or create ideas that aren't there yet, but you're just playing around with things? Or what do you find, like, his question is, what do you find that ratio to be? I find the ratio to be, uh, (laughs) I'd say for every 100 things I try playing with and ideas I have, for every 100, there's probably three uh, there we good go. things that come out of this. So and I think that's pretty, normal. Uh, I think that's normal. I think that's that's actually great. If you if, if you have to play with a hundred things and you come up with three things that are great, that's a great ratio. So I think anyone that's that isn't creating yet and wants to, you have to learn from that. That's a great thing to know. If if you're fearless and you're willing to to fail ninety seven times out of a hundred then that's I mean that's a great mindset to be in. You can't if and if you're positive about that and you're you're still enthusiastic about it. That's a great uh, headspace to create in. Yeah, it's, it's great. It, uh, to see it happen that way, it's really a just big payoff. And it's like I've tried all this, and I, I finally hit something that's magic. You know, it's just the best feeling. Um, there's a quick question here by uh, his name's Cold Agent, number post number sixteen. Uh, this is a yes or no question. He's saying, can Crush be done uh, with a borrowed bottle, uh, seemingly impromptu? And answers yes. I mean, in the, in the video that we shot in uh, Times Square, which is the performance part of the Crush video, uh, you see Eric take the bottle from the spectator. So it's a borrowed bottle that he's taking. The, borrowed, the bottle, any using either method here, is not gimmicked at all. It's a completely normal bottle. You can take it from the spectator be a coke whatever pepsi mountain dew water bottle that type of plastic bottle and uh and that's what you cause to do magical things uh let's talk about that though we we talked uh about having the performances for this being done in times square in new york city we approached a lot of people uh on the street performing this thing a question is by alfie watam magic post number 18 what's the favorite reaction you've gotten out of crush oh 
yeah. <laughs> out of all the times I performed it, definitely, uh, I don't know if it's because the uh, cameras were on us, but New York had to be the uh, the funnest spot to perform the effect. And uh, I won't forget the guy in the, the red hat, <laughs> the red coat, you know who I'm talking yeah, about. You guys will, yeah, you guys will see this on, on uh, Monday night. <laughs> There's a clip of it definitely in the preview. Uh, but it, there, we literally just stood in the center of Times Square, New York City, which is thousands of people like ants crawling around. Uh, and, you know, five seconds later, there'd be uh, totally new people in front of you than were five seconds before. Um, so we approached as many people as we possibly could. We were doing this effect over and over and over again. Uh, both methods we were outperforming, so we were using both of these on, on the street in a real-world environment, approaching people cold, and actually field-testing this thing and got some amazing reactions. Yeah, it was uh, it was definitely a great day. We got a lot of great stuff. Um, we did approach a lot, a lot of people, and it seemed like every reaction we got was just unbelievable. Yeah, I mean, the, the, we did this in a few different manners. We did this as a opener, uh, like first off, and then we did this as a as a kind of closing effect. We did this in the middle of a routine with other things. So we, I th- feel like we really tried this in almost every performance environment uh, for real people out on the street type uh, setting as possible. And literally every single time, we've got amazing reactions with this. I mean. If you think about it, someone approaches you on the street, you're holding a water bottle, you've been drinking all day, you're that person, you're that spectator, and some guy walks up to you and asks, can he borrow your water bottle for a second? Uh, It's sealed. Uh, It's got the cap on it. Uh, Someone asked that earlier. Yes, it has the cap on it. And they hold it at arm's length, uh, and it starts to crush and implode. Think about, like, how that would make you feel. And it's, it looks amazing, but, like, it's, it's more than just the look with this effect because it's the sound and, like, the feel and everything like that plays into it. And that's what makes it, I feel like, as, as powerful as it is. Um, uh, I don't know what, what that question – I'm just reading more questions here. I don't know what that question means. Someone said, uh, Eric, what is the hot mamas? <laughs> The hot mamas, uh, yeah, I can answer that. Uh, I'm a, I'm great friends, great buddy of mine. One of only a few I have in this industry is uh, D Christopher. Actually, me and D go way back, and we're just really tight. And the hot mamas is actually something D and I have put together. That's our little like uh, tag team name, if you will. Our little two man uh, band. <laughs> I love this question. I have to ask this. <laughs> there's, a, there's a question submitted by Dr. Magic. And uh, I'm sure this was an innocent mistake. But he said, <laughs> the question is, being one of the very few well-known African-American magicians, does that <laughs> fact motivate you to perform and practice more? <laughs> Someone else replied, yes. you're thinking of Eric I, Jones. I get this all the time. Um, <laughs> Eric Jones is actually... Not you. Um, yes. You are talking about Eric Jones. Uh, it's funny because he gets the same thing. He Everybody confuses him with Eric Ross than me with Eric Jones. That's great. I and love even close friends of ours, like uh, B. Smith, gets us confused all the time. That's really funny. I'm glad we asked that question. It's one of the best here. Um, let's, let's, let's keep going because I want to get through as many of these as can. Post number 25, Unknown Magician 93. How practical is Crush? 
Crush is extremely practical. Once you know the method, you will be able to apply this to virtually anything in any situation. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah it's, it's not even just one method. You said methods, but it's actually methods, plural, um, because yes. they, they get the gimmicked method, which is, yes, you do have to carry around a gimmick with you all day if you want to do the gimmicked method. But rest assured, on the flip side, we're including what could be a separate DVD in and of itself, which is the ungimmicked method, into the spectrum. Right. They probably look about the same, but uh, one of which uses absolutely no gimmicks of any kind. So you can't really get more practical than that. You don't have to carry anything around with you all day. You don't have to go uh, you know, make something. Everything you need is included, but one of the methods uses no gimmicks. So that, I would, I would say, 100% is, uh, is, is practical. Exactly. We have covered everything. Um, for this kind of effect and the visual aspect of something like this and just the all-around magical feel, we have worked hard and we have covered everything. This is um, a great point. Uh, Christian1 is the guy's username, post number 26. Uh, does crust have an instant reset, meaning you can crush one bottle, throw it away, or give it to the spectator, walk to the next table, let's say you're doing a restaurant magic, and then crush another one and so on? Of course. Yes. Um, so instant. Yes, you can give, as soon as it crushes, you can, that bottle is either A, uh, with one method, it could be already in the spectator's hands, so there's nothing to give back to them. It's already in their hands as it crushes, or if it's in your hands, you can give it back to them right after it crushes, let them take it, let them take it home. It's their bottle, um, or it can be their bottle, it could be your bottle, and, uh, and you can move on to the next person. So there is no, you know, oh, I've got to go reset another bottle. There's nothing like that involved in this effect. Um, sidekick, question 27. Is there anything outside of magic that inspires you? Uh, everything inspires me. I'm trying to, uh, I'm one of these guys that just looks forward to life and every little thing in it. And I have, you know, I got a two year old daughter who inspires me every day and everything around me. Is there anything specific outside of magic that like you find inspiration from for your magic, like you look to and say, like, oh, I wonder if that could be applicable to magic, or is there any, oh, any overlap? Uh, science. <laughs> I'm a big uh, science geek, if you will. I love um, every aspect of science, and I read a lot, and I try to study as much as possible. So I like to apply a lot of the, uh, you know, principles and stuff like this into my effects. Um, I found that a lot. Uh, Andre Jick in Cardistry is obsessed with all things physics. I know a lot of magicians that have an interest in science because science is about what? How things work or uh, you know, unique little scientific reactions and way things work together in, people, in ways that people don't immediately know or is not immediately apparent. So like, I know about every month I get all these science magazines in my mailbox uh, that I always pour through and try to find ideas that can be... Uh, cross-referenced with magic or combined with magic things and that's a definite source of inspiration for me as well um i, I love that uh the, a guy named trickaholic post number 33 is there any branch of magic that you have yet to dissect that interests you hmm, i think i would like to tap into the geek side of magic a little bit more more like um uh like, like some of the bizarre fields type uh stuff <laughs> exactly exactly yeah a lot of the uh, the Sean Field stuff. Um, I like the. I don't know if you guys 
Oh, yeah, he's got a show coming up, Rudy Kobe. Mm-hmm. It's the Magic Castle, actually, where he's actually doing the Theory 11 Live thing next week at the Magic Castle in Hollywood. Yeah, that's right, that's right. Um, I love a lot of Rudy. I'm not too big on the stage stuff. I haven't seen too much of it, but I do remember seeing a lot of his stuff um, back when I was younger, and I loved it. Um, he's he's a little bit twisted, too, the stuff he does. Um, so I'd like to... I'd like to adapt into the bizarre, possibly a stage of bizarre stuff one day. Um, there's a question here about how to perform a crush in terms of presentation. The guy's name is CM763. saying, in what style, mentalism, street magic, stage magic, etc., uh, do you typically perform crush? I, I guess he's saying, would you recommend performing crush as well? What style... What styles would you think that it is suitable for? Personally, from the teaser videos, I wouldn't mind putting a mentalism twist on it and performing it parlor style. Assuming it can be done, I'm just basing this off of the teasers, is what he wrote. Right, um, crush can be put into any uh, circumstances, any situation. It could be it could be perfect for stage. Uh, it's perfect for close-up strolling. Uh, it's perfect for your parlor show. Um, it's pretty much... Uh, could do this it would fit in you could blend it in you could routine it to anything you wanted to it's very uh versatile i think that's the word we're looking for yeah i think this could definitely be done on on stage there's nothing that would preclude it from from doing that there's something that would make this not work in a parlor routine uh with either method actually uh and certainly on the street using either method or at a dinner party or uh restaurant style there's really there's no genre of magic i i think that one of the two methods, at least in the crush video, would work uh, great for. Like I mentioned earlier, these two methods could have been sold separately as two completely different methods to accomplish the exact same thing, a bottle crushing. But uh, they're together in this DVD, and we did that for a reason, which is to make this as practical as possible. Right. Um, I agree more. Uh, is there a particular performance that is uh, that you would regard as your most memorable? Asks Anthony. He's post number forty-five from Toledo, Ohio. Honestly, um, you know, Crush Aside and just performing in general. Uh, I don't know. I've been in so many situations and had performed for so many people, gotten so many reactions, and out of so many binds, I honestly cannot pinpoint a. Uh, a certain one right now. Nothing, uh... Nothing off the top of your head? <laughs> no. Nothing off the top of my head. Um, is it Maybe in the future I could answer this a little better. Yeah, if, some, if something comes up, if you remember something in a second, just interrupt me. Um, just trying to pour through as many of these questions as we can. Uh, R period Z-H-A-N-G R Zhang, I think is this guy's name. Uh, post number 46... Uh, this is a deeper one. What is your ultimate goal in magic? Is it to be a successful performer, a successful creator, to be on television, uh, to create some impossible dream effect? I'm assuming like Crush. Um, what is your goal? Where do you see yourself 10 years from now? Um, performing is always my main focus, and I love getting gigs and shows and just bringing joy to everybody. It's really a great feeling. I think that's what my future holds. Um, I got a lot of great stuff coming out here. And I think uh, going back to my roots and performing, that's where I want to be 
and uh, I couldn't have asked for a better, um, I don't know what you would call it, but all the stuff I've created and the success I've had with my creations has been great, but my passion is definitely in performing. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah, I think that's a that's a cool question to ask everyone that we do these roundtables with. What they, what their end goal is, like where are they working towards? Uh, you know, no one ever I've ever, ever talked to in my life considers himself completely accomplished. Or they've done everything they ever want to do in their life. So it's interesting always to hear where people want to go and 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 what what their goals are five ten years down the line. Uh, post by RHR, who's a magician I know in New York City or at least he was in New York City about two weeks ago for the Dan and Dave lecture, because I met him. Um, he said, uh, who bought you your first trick, and what was it? Uh, the first trick, um, <clears throat> excuse me, first trick I bought was, uh, uh, I went to a magic shop, and uh, I remember buying three things. Um, one was the uh, bite-out quarter. I bought a hot rod and a blink card by Mark Mason. Hot Those were the first uh, effects I uh, bought years ago, and I still have them, ironically. Did you get a delight? What's up? Did you get a delight? <laughs> uh, not until uh, about a year after that expedition. I do have two blue delights. Nice. That I have not used in oh. forever. You gotta pull that stuff out. <laughs> you gotta pull out the big guns for your next performance. Oh, I have a whole chest of stuff. <laughs> Um, I think we'll we'll try to wrap this up and leave it at that uh, for tonight. In terms of questions, we'll let Eric's voice rest. Uh, sorry if I was uh, blabbing my mouth more than usual in this podcast. I'm just trying to help Eric save his voice. Um, and I do appreciate it. Yes, because uh, we almost didn't have a podcast tonight. So I figured it'd be a better a podcast with a little bit more me in it than, uh, than no podcast at all. So apologies for that. But hopefully we answered a lot of good questions tonight. Uh, more than anything else, I would say we really hope you guys stick around for Monday night, which is not the release, but it's just the release of the preview video. So we are that excited about this preview video that we're willing to hype up the preview video. <laughs> not even the release, just it the preview video. It, it, I agree. It, <laughs> it, it should it, be a future it, film. It, it should. Yeah. The preview video for this is amazing. It, I've, I've watched it. 500 times like i keep watching it over and over again and obviously i know exactly how it works but it it fools you this is the type of effect that you'll perform it for yourself in the mirror and it looks fun and it's fun to perform and you have those two methods one of which is no gimmicks at all so practicality is through the roof uh but it is fun and it is visual and it obviously you'll see the performances in the preview it's very very strong so stick around on monday night uh, to watch that. It's at 11 p.m. Eastern Standard Time this Monday, or if you're listening to this podcast uh, after this week, after, uh, what's today, April 17th, uh, then you can see Crush, and it's probably available on the Theory 11 site already by this time. Um, can, I but, make a, can I make a comment here? Sure. Uh, I want everybody to know that what you see in this demo is exactly what you get. And I think that's something that we should... Uh, we should definitely emphasize because there's a lot of misleading uh, effects out there. But what you see is uh, definitely what you get here. No, I, th I think that we shot this completely in a raw style. We went out there with one camera in New York City, and we shot this in high definition. And uh, what you see is exactly what you get. It looks uh, looks better than you can imagine reality looking. 
but it's exactly how this looks in real life. You're holding the bottle in your hands and it collapses. It could be on the table. You'll see that in the preview video. You'll even see in the preview video the bottle crushing itself while being held in the spectator's hands. So we really try to make this preview uh, different in that we show it in a lot of different performing environments and hopefully you guys will will dig that on Monday night um, so uh, check back then and obviously thank you Eric uh, times a thousand for uh, doing this tonight even with a sore voice and uh, hope you feel better and uh, continue uh, not being Eric Jones and <laughs> whatever else <laughs> but thanks for doing this and we'll chat with you again soon awesome sounds great man thank you for having me